0: Hello to all, I feel like an evangelist, (laughs) because I preached on Sunday, and I preach now, so Uh, so we'll be in um, 1 Kings in chapter 11, and so uh, as I've been um, going through the Bible in my devotions and recently, I've just been coming across just a different theme. Um, I even preached something similar in um, (laughs) Semiamu on Sunday. Um, it's the theme of that, you know, all of our choices, you know, they affect not just us. Because like as Christians, we're not just steeples unto ourselves. So everything we do, it either has a positive impact or a negative impact on those around us. And that's something that we can see in the Bible in, in different characters' lives, whether they did something good for God or whether they did something bad and or or something that was detrimental to the work of God. It didn't just affect themselves, it affected those around them, and sometimes it affected um, the work of God for for generations and generations. Um, And with that thought, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 11, but before that, I just want to um, just give you a a brief overview of the life of Solomon. Now, I'm not going to be preaching on Solomon, but when we get to the end, you're going to see how this ties in with the thought I gave you originally and to the message that I want to bring you before So before we begin, we're going to start in Solomon in chapter 2. You don't have to turn to these verses. I'll read them for you. But if you want to follow along, feel free to follow along. So we're going to be starting in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, Then Solomon sat upon the throne of David his father, and the kingdom was established greatly. So first we see Solomon comes to the throne. So Solomon, he's just come to the throne. And then we move along. And First Kings in chapter three, and verse six to nine. Then we see. And Solomon said, "Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept him, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him, a son to sit upon his throne, as it is this day. And now, O Lord." Thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. So the next phase of Solomon's life is he asks God for wisdom. So first he comes, he sits on the throne. Next, he asks God for wisdom. And moving along to 1 Kings in chapter four and verse 22 to 24. And Solomon's, Provision for one day was thirty measures of fine flour and threescore measures of meal, ten fat oxen and twenty oxen out of the pastures, and an hundred sheep beside hearts and roebucks and fallow deer and fatted fowl, for he had dominion over all the region on this side, the river from Tipsa even to Azza, over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on all the sides round about him. Next, we see a bit of Solomon's riches that God has begun to give him. So first we see Solomon comes to the throne. He asks for wisdom, and now we're beginning to see the riches that God is giving him. And then we move along to 1 Kings in chapter 5. And in verse 1, it says, And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants unto Solomon, for he had heard that they had anointed him king in the room of his father, for Hiram was ever a lover of David. And moving along to verse 7, it says, And it came to pass, when Hiram heard the words of Solomon, that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, which hath given unto David a wise son over this great people. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have considered the things which thou sentest for me, and I will do all thy desire concerning timber of cedar and concerning timber of fir. So now moving along in Solomon's life, we see that he has been given favor in the eyes of Hiram, king of Tyre, to gather materials in order to build the temple of God. So first, Solomon's come to the throne. He's asked God for wisdom. We begin to see a bit of his riches. And now he's starting to get favor in the eyes of the kings around him and in the eyes of those around him. And moving on to chapter 6 and in verse 1, And it came to pass in the 418th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Ziph, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. So the next step in Solomon's life is he built the house of the Lord. So first he's come to the throne. He asks God for wisdom. We begin to see a bit of his riches. He finds favor in the king of Hiram or in Hiram, the king of Tyre. And then Solomon builds the temple and moving along the next step in his life in 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse 1. But Solomon was building his own house 13 years, and he finished all his house. So the next step in Solomon's life, he's built the temple. All these things have happened before, and then he builds his own house now. And moving along to verse 8, I mean, not to verse 8, sorry, to chapter 8 and verse 1. And then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes and the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is in Zion. So Solomon, he's done all these things like I've just listed. He's come to the throne. He's asked God for wisdom. We begin to see a bit of his riches. He finds favor in the king of Tyre. He builds the temple. He builds his house. And now he brings the ark to the house of, to, the, to the house that he's just built for the Lord and he prays and he prays for the people So we've seen all these things and now we move along to chapter 9 and verse 2 and in chapter 9 and verse 2 it says that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever as I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. But if thou shalt at all turn from following me, ye or your children will not keep my commandments and will not keep my commandments and my statues, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. So the next step in Solomon's life, we see God appears to Solomon and God answers his previous prayer in chapter eight. So we move along to the next step in Solomon's life in 1 Kings chapter 10. And in 1 Kings in chapter 10 in verse one, and when when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. So, Basically, we've seen Solomon. He's come to the throne. Solomon, he's asked for wisdom. We've seen a bit of his riches. Solomon, he finds favor in the eyes of the king of Hiram. Solomon builds a temple. Solomon builds his own house. Solomon brings the ark to the temple that he's built. He prays for the people. God appears to Solomon a second time. God answers his prayer. The queen of Sheba comes, and she asks Solomon hard questions, and In chapter 10, we get to see more of Solomon's riches. And then we come to chapter 11, and something strange happens. You know, most of you know this about Solomon. We come to chapter 11, and all of a sudden we read, but Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, Hittites, and moving down to verse 4, where it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. You see, Solomon, he's completely turned his heart away from the Lord. So we've seen the life of Solomon. It almost looks like a shocking picture because we've seen, you know, all these things before. He's asked God. He's built the temple. He's built the house of the Lord. You know, the ark of the Lord has come to the the ark of the covenant has come. It's in the temple. He's prayed to God. God has answered his prayer in a miraculous way. You know, all these good things are happening. The queen of Sheba, she comes all the way to Solomon, and she's like, Solomon, you know, with these hard questions. You know, she asks Solomon, and Solomon and Solomon answers her, and the queen of Sheba, she is stunned, and she's amazed at the wisdom that Solomon has. And in the very next chapter, all of a sudden, we read that Solomon, his heart has been turned away from the Lord. So I asked you, what happened to Solomon? You see, where did Solomon go wrong? Was there something that Solomon did or, or, or that caused him or his heart to turn away to the Lord? And how did that affect everyone else around him? Well, let me show you how it affected everyone else around him. If we move to 1 Kings in chapter 12, and we read uh, of a very popular king in, in that, that's about to come up in uh, for the rest of kings. And in 1st chapter 26, it says, And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah, whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he and the other put he in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one even in Dan. And he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest people, which were not the sons of Levi. So basically, Jerusalem he set up two different calves. And you might be thinking. What does Jeroboam have to do with Solomon? They're completely unrelated. You see, Jeroboam, he came completely after Solomon, and he was king, and he has nothing to do with Solomon. Now, that's what you might be thinking, but let me take you back a little further. So remember how we went through the life of Solomon, how we learned that Solomon, you know, he came to the throne, he asked for wisdom, he did all these amazing things. Let's go back all the way to 1 Kings in chapter 3, and I want to show you something. And in 1 Kings... And chapter three, we begin to see a little bit of why Solomon fell. You see, in 1 Kings chapter three, we see, and Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house in the house of David. And the wall of Jerusalem. You see, when Solomon was younger, he made a pact with the king of Pharaoh. Now, this it, it, it didn't seem to affect him for a long, long time. But as we go through Solomon's life, we begin to see that this choice, it, it, it didn't affect just him, it affected the future kings that came behind him. You see, so 1 Kings chapter 3. So Solomon, he's made a pact with the king of Pharaoh, with the king of Egypt, and he's married his daughter, and for a long, long time, nothing happens. We don't see any results. We go through chapter 4, we don't see anything. We go through chapter 5, we don't see anything. Chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9. But when we come to chapter 10, at the end of chapter 10, we begin to see how this affects Solomon's life. You see, at the end of chapter 10, in verse 28 and 29, it says, and Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt, and linen and linen yarn. King's merchants received the linen yarn at a price and, the, and a chariot came up and went out of Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And so for all the kings of the Hittites and all the kings of Syria, they bring them out by their means. So you see, because of the pact that Solomon had with the king of Egypt, you see now Israel, they were friendly with Egypt. You see, this was something that for a long, long time, it didn't affect Israel until... Chapter 10 and and verse 28 and 29. You see, now he'd begun to get a little bit more friendly with Egypt. You see, now he'd begun trading with Egypt. You see, now a little bit of Egypt's philosophies had begun to creep into Israel. And then, you see how, how, how this happens at the end of chapter 10. So at the end of chapter 10, we see that, you know, Israel begins getting friendly with Egypt. And what happens in the very next chapter? We read that Solomon's heart, the wives that he'd married, had turned his heart away from the Lord. You see, that wasn't something that happened by accident. It wasn't something that, that just happened one day. Solomon, he didn't just wake up and he'd go, whoa, you know, maybe I'll turn away from the Lord. It's something that was a process. You see, when he was younger, he married, the, he married Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter... You see, she, she, she was the one that had, met, that had made him get friendly with, with Egypt and all of Egypt's philosophies, all of, all of the stuff that said, you know, Solomon, you, 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 you don't really have to follow God with all your heart. Solomon, you know, you can compromise a little here and you can compromise a little there. And then by the end of it, we see that Egypt is now there friendly with, uh, with, with Israel. And then Solomon falls, so... and. You see, Solomon's fall, it didn't just affect him. You see, now Solomon's heart is completely turned away from the Lord because because of Egypt's philosophies and because of all the gods that he's worshiping now when he's trying to appease his wives. And then we move to 1 Kings 11 and chapter 40. And in 1 Kings 11 and chapter 40, you see, this is where Jeroboam comes onto the stage, you see. Because the Lord, he, the Lord had come to Jeroboam and he said, Jeroboam, because Solomon, you know, his, he's, his heart has been turned away, I'm going to make you king of Egypt. And Jeroboam, you know, he says, okay. But then Solomon hears this and Solomon says, okay, I'm going to get rid of Jeroboam. And let's read this. In 1 Kings 11 and chapter 40, it says, Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. And what did Jeroboam do? Jeroboam, he went to the place that had been friendly with Israel. He said, you know what? If Solomon is trying to kill me here, I can't stay here. Let me go to somewhere else that, that's been friendly with Israel. Let me go to somewhere else that, that, you know, I can probably hide away from Solomon and that probably won't persecute me either. And read the rest of the verse. And Jeroboam arose and fled into... He fled to Egypt and unto Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. So you see, first Solomon, he's made a pact with Egypt, and Egypt has gotten friendly with Israel, and then Solomon's got his heart turned away from God. The Lord comes to Jeroboam and says, Jeroboam, I want you to be king of Israel instead of Solomon. And Solomon, he tries to kill Jeroboam, and Jeroboam, he says, okay, I can't stay here. I've got to go somewhere else. So the place he decides to go, is Egypt, because Egypt has been friendly with Israel. You see, Solomon's choice in the past, it has affected Jeroboam, and it's affected the choice that he's made and that he's about to make. Now, it's not all on Jeroboam. You see, it's not all on Solomon. You see, Solomon had to make his own choices. But let's say if Solomon hadn't, uh, let's say if Solomon hadn't have made the pact with the king of Israel, how likely is it that Jeroboam would have ended up in Egypt? We don't know. He might have still gone there, but can I propose to you that the likelihood of that happening would have been a lot less. So now we see Jeroboam, he's in Israel. I mean, no, sorry, he's not, he's, he's in Egypt. And he wasn't just in Egypt for a short time. You see, Jeroboam, um, like it says at the end of the verse in chapter 11 in verse 40, it says, Jeroboam, he was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Jeroboam, he wasn't there for a short amount of time. He was there for a while. And Egypt's philosophies, they began to affect him and they began to, 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 to really shape the way that, that he saw God and, 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 the, and that he saw spirituality. And then we come to 1 Kings and chapter 12 and verse 25, where it says Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mount of Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built. Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn away unto the Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. Where did Jeroboam get that idea? It wasn't from Israel that he got that idea. It wasn't from from going to the temple that Solomon had built. It it wasn't from there. You know, Jeroboam, he got this idea from Egypt. This was the very same idea that, that the Israelites, when they'd come out of Egypt, and they were in the desert and Moses was gone, they said, Moses is gone, Aaron, make us gods. What did they do? They set up a calf. Where did that idea come from? That idea came from Egypt. Jeroboam, he goes to Egypt, and he's there. And then, you know, a problem arises. He said, oh, no. See, if the people, they go to Jerusalem and they sacrifice, what if Rehoboam turns their heart away from me? See, in order to stop that, let me set up two golden calves. And then, for the rest of the Bible, all we hear is Jeroboam. Um, I want to paraphrase. Jeroboam, the one that caused Israel to sin. Every other king is compared to Jeroboam. It, whether, they were, whether they were worse than Jeroboam or whether they were better than Jeroboam. But basically, Jeroboam, he caused Israel to sin. You see, Solomon's choice to, 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 to get cozy with Egypt, it affected Jeroboam. And Jeroboam's choice to go into Egypt, it affected the rest of Israel, for, for, for the rest of their kings and, and, and their entire kingship. But, so, the, the, the message that I want to preach is, is, you see, stay away from Egypt. If Solomon, in all his wisdom, fell victim to Egypt, how can we hope to resist it? Now, you see, when we say, what is Egypt? For our sakes, we're just gonna define it really simply. We're gonna say, Egypt is anything that would pull us away from God. You see, I don't know what you're dealing with specifically. You see, I, I, I can't peer into all your lives. So you guys are going to have to come up with an application for yourselves. But basically Egypt is anything that would pull you away from God. If you can think in your life specifically of anything that'll pull you away from God, stay away from that. Stay away from Egypt because we saw how Egypt affected Solomon. Egypt, it pulled Solomon's heart away from God. And then we saw how Egypt affected Jeroboam. You see, Egypt, it, it, it twisted Jeroboam's picture of God, and Jeroboam, he led all Israel astray. You see, every choice that we make, whether it's a choice to follow God and to do good, or whether it's a choice to, 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 to give in to, to our sins or our desires, that choice, it doesn't just affect us. It affects everybody around us. And I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just gonna go, go through the rest of this. So I just want to look at the the, the, I just want to quickly look at the rise and fall of Jeroboam. You see, if we go back to 11 King, uh, sorry, 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 28. In verse 28, it says, And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of Joseph. So you see, Jeroboam, he didn't start off as a bad guy saying, Oh, man! I just want to turn Israel's hearts away from God. No, he started off as a good guy. You see, Jeroboam, he was a hard worker. He was industrious. He was somebody that Solomon said, I want this guy. I want this guy working for him. Jeroboam, he, he was somebody that, that, that God thinks done. You see, he wasn't lazy. He was, he was busy. He knew he had a job to do when he did it. You see, one of the biggest things that, uh, that that I keep, I keep thinking about whenever I, I read my Bible or I go to my devotions is, is the concept of the talents. You see, God, he, he gives talents to everybody. And, and, you know, some people squander their talents. They bury them in the dirt. And some people use their talents. But you see, just like Solomon, he came to Jeroboam and he rewarded him. You see, Jeroboam, he was a hard worker. And Solomon, he came and said, Jeroboam, since you're a hard worker, I'm going to give you more to do. And I'm going to lift you up to a position of power. It's the same thing for us, you see. And I keep thinking about this over and over again because I say, you know, I want to be the guy with 10 talents. I think, you know, a lot of us, we think like that. I want to be the guy with 10 talents. But, you know, I think about that more. And, you know, the Lord's been teaching me, you know, Tadala, you know, it's not that I can't give you 10 talents. What are you doing with what you have now? And, you know, I think about that more and I say, man, you know, the Lord's right. You know, what am I doing? You know, and, and I've really been trying to. You know, to, to, to just change the way I, I, I do things and, and the way I, I see things. Because I'm trying to take, you know, what the Lord has given me now and I'm, I'm trying to use it. So to be like Jeroboam, because the Lord, he's a rewarder and he wants to give us more. You see, you know, when the Lord came back to every servant, the Lord gave him more. With those who had been faithful, the Lord gave him more. When it, to the, the Lord came to the servant with five talents and he said, hey, you've done a good job managing what I gave you. Here's a little more. He came to the servant with 10 talents. He said, hey, you've done a good job with what I have gave you. Here's a little bit more. But he came to the servant with one talent, and he said, hey, what are you doing? And he took away what he had. So, you know, the Lord's really been showing me, to dollar. you know, you got to do better with what I've given you. And I, I've really been trying to do that. It's taken a while, though. <laughs> uh, so that's what I've been trying to do. You know, that's what the Lord's been teaching me. You know, just use what I've given you because the Lord, he is a rewarder. And then moving on, you see, in 1 Kings, and chapter, in First Kings uh, verse 11 and chapter 29, we see that Jeroboam, he was visited by a prophet. So in First uh, Kings chapter 29, it says, And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah of Shiloh found him in the way, and he clad himself with a new garment, and the two were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take the ten pieces, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand and will give ten tribes to see. You see, when when we look at this verse, Jeroboam, he got a word from the Lord. And, you know, I have to ask, have you gotten a word from the Lord today? Not in in the sense that have you been in your Bible? Have you been asking the Lord, you know, to, 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 to show you and to speak with you? Because this was a big part of Jeroboam's life. He would have never known he was going to become king if the Lord hadn't have told him he was going to become king. And you see, the Lord today, he speaks to us through the Bible. So if we're not reading the Bible and if we're not in the word, then how are we going to know what the Lord wants us to do or how are we going to know, you know where the Lord wants to lead us? And moving on, you see, we see that he was Jeroboam. He was persecuted by a rejected king in 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 40. The first part says, Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. You see, if we are saved, then we are gonna be pursued too. But I wanna put it in the sense of 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 the world and and the flesh and the devil that we left behind. You see, it's a constant battle. You see, we're constantly in a spiritual battle. We're gonna be fighting against the flesh, the the, the world and the devil, because they're gonna be trying to pull us back. Just like Solomon sought to to kill Jeroboam. You see, because Jeroboam, he'd been giving a task from the Lord. before he he before he went to Egypt, the Lord had said, "You're going to become king." And Solomon heard that and he said, "No, if I can help it, he's not going to become king." And that's the same thing that the flesh and the world and the devil says. God says, "Hey, I want to do something with you. You know, I want to I want, I want to use you." But the world and the flesh and the devil they say, "Hey, if I can help it, that's not going to happen." So we're constantly in a battle, and you know we have to. We have to be aware of that, and, and and we have to realize that 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 it's a fight, and it, it takes you know it, it it's it's an active fight. It's not something that's passive, because 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 uh, because if if um, sorry, I totally lost my thought. But basically, it's not passive. It's active. You know, it's something that we have to actively be engaged in. And moving on, you know, we come to this part, and Jeroboam he. Fled to the world, in 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 40, the second part we see and Jeroboam arose, fled into Egypt, on Shechem, king of Israel, um, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. You see, a lapse in judgment. You see, sometimes we make a lapse in judgment, and sometimes we make mistakes. But it's what we do when we make mistakes. You see, Jeroboam he stayed in Egypt until the day of his death, but really quickly. We'll just make this the last point. I think we're almost done. All right, we'll just make this the last point. So basically, I just want to show you this. You see, Jeroboam, he stayed in Egypt, but I want to show you something else. I want to show you someone who's very similar to Jeroboam. You see, there's somebody else who was promoted by a king, and that was David. You see, David, he was promoted by Saul, and there's somebody else who was visited by a prophet and told that he was going to become a king. You see, David, he was visited by Samuel, and he was told, David, You're going to be the king of Jerusalem. And there's somebody else who was persecuted by a rejected king. And that was David. Saul hated David. And Saul, he wanted to kill David. And David went through the same thing. And there's somebody else that fled to the world. And that was David. And I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 22. And we'll close with this. 1 Samuel 22 and verse three says, and David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do with me. And he brought them before the king of Moab and dwelt there and dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. But what was the difference between David and Jeroboam? They went through basically almost identical circumstances. It's really surprising, but there is a key difference. You see, Jeroboam, he stayed in Egypt, but David, well, we'll read it in verse number five. It says, and the prophet Gad said unto David, abide not in the hold, depart, get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Herod. You see, Jeroboam stayed in Egypt. David, he went back to Jerusalem, and that's the major difference. You see, And this is the big thing. I'm going to paraphrase this one more time. So the legacies of each king, even though they went through the almost identical circumstances, the legacies couldn't be more opposite. You see, Jeroboam, for the rest of his time in the Bible, we read Jeroboam, the one that caused Israel to sin, because he stayed in Egypt. And David, because he went back, for the rest of the time, he's mentioned in the Bible. You see, as David, my servant, did. Every time God wants a king to do something, he says, Do it with all your heart as David, my servant, did. And every time God, he compares a king and he says that the king, you know, he compares him to Jeroboam. He says either you were more wicked or you sinned like Jeroboam. So every time a king did bad, God compares him to Jeroboam. And every time God wants a king to do something good, he compares him to David. And the difference is in what they did. Jeroboam stayed in Egypt.